0: growth comes from, uh, that, that having that uncomfortable conversation. So I think we should do that here. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe
1: we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host, and moderator, Rob Richardson. It's an honor to have, uh, my friend, a business partner of mine, uh, and founding rabbi of the
0: congregation at Betheline, uh, Bob Barr. Glad to have you on, man. Thanks, Bob. I'm glad to be here. Uh, it's it's exciting. I I've, I know you've been doing this for a while, and I'm just really pleased to to be a participant and be a guest on your show. Thanks. Yeah.
1: Well, I was on your show. You you know you started in this whole podcast world way before I did. You got a you got a head start on me. I'm, I'm I'm learning as I go here. Uh, so I was glad to be on your show and on your show, we were discussing <clears throat> Black Lives Matter, really how the Jewish and black community can and should see each other as allies. And, uh, you know, we had a great discussion there and I was glad you can join me. And, and now I find an opportunity for us to have
0: that same conversation really on another side. So just let me note that if anybody wants to, they can go to Bethadam, which is B-E-T-H-A-D-A-M.org. That's the name of the congregation. That's the congregation website. And under learning at the top, at the header, there's one that says uh, racism in America. And they can listen to a conversation that I had with you, uh, our conversation that you're referencing. And so I invite people to do that. There's a conversation with also Pastor Daniel Hughes uh, about uh, racism in America, as well as uh, uh, Dr. Gary Zola from the American Jewish Archive. So uh, it's an area that we've been focusing on recently a lot. So I'm glad you were on and I'm glad to be on with you now.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, uh, something is in the water in America right now. And, you know, we've obviously been, we had, there's been a lot of conversation about black lives matter rightly. So we we talked about it all on your show and, um, you know, but, but, you know, there's been some, I mean, just some weird flare ups, uh, recently. So Deshaun Jackson, who is a, a famous NFL player, made some just, uh, outrageous and anti-Semitic statements. And, uh, And I don't know where they came from, but this is essentially what he said. He said, declaring that white Jews uh, will, quote, blackmail America. They will extort America. Their plan for world domination won't work if the Negroes don't know who they are. Now, that's uh, he basically said that statement over again. And I just don't know where it came from. And there was some type of uh, apparently there's a there's a black Israelites group um that I don't know much about, but this like they they call themselves the black Israelites, right. right? And they have these and they say things that are outlandish and that are anti-Semitic. and i have I d I I've I've started to learn more about them and I did for this podcast. But I guess my my first question is what was your reaction to that statement? And is this something that, you know, being this is me educating, like I had to work with you educating you about what it's like to be black in America. Uh, being Jewish in America and really in the world, um, have you heard these type of statements? And then when you think about it, how do you go about educating people about, you know, how these statements are hurtful and how they affect your community? I mean, just,
0: that's just for me for education and for the listeners. Sure, sure. Um, You know, it's, I mean, anti-Semitism has been around as so as long as Jews have been around, there's been some version of anti-Jewish hatred. It's, and, and we don't want to go into a long history lesson because it's in different times, there are different reasons. Well, but, you
1: can take us through some of
0: it. This is disruption now. We got a little time. Okay. Take us at, least, give a, well, at least give us
1: the cliff notes. Give us a few minutes well, cliff notes about this. Well, you
0: this. think, I mean, you know, the Jews were, you know, we, we represented uh, something very different in the ancient world. And when people moved to Christianity and Jews didn't, there was hatred that the Jews were rejecting the Messiah. Uh, And, and, and there, even in, in the gospels, it was, you know, the Jews killed the Messiah. And some people took that literally. It it was, there was, was, these were political documents being written at a specific time. Uh, The Roman, the Jews weren't empowered to do that. And some gospels had more anti-Semitic references than other ones because they were written by different authors at different times. You go through history, Jews, once they were, once we were kicked out of, of, uh, of, what, what we call Canaan, that world, the Middle East in 70 CE, what's called the diaspora. Jews then have wandered and we've been in different parts of the world. One of the problems is we weren't allowed to be citizens anywhere. We were always guests in whatever country we we're in. There was expulsions, 1492, Spain. There's from other countries we had these expulsions. There was, and what, uh, uh, Jason Jackson was referencing this notion of Jews having an international conspiracy. There was a famous, Faux document called the the product, uh the protocols of the elders of Zion, which posited that the Jews had this international conspiracy. The Rothschilds were involved, and that we were
1: yeah. How long does that go back? I, 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 now I've heard this several times now, Bob, and so I'm like, when did that document come about, and what was the what was the origin of that document? Because that document is being uh, we're going to talk about this later, but Nick Cannon just put his his foot and his. Both his feet in his mouth and fell over them and lost his contract as he should
0: right. for saying very similar statements. So this is where does where does this it was written, seed I think it's from? the eighteen hundred. I can't remember exactly, frankly, and I'd have to really look up the date. Sure. But it was written in Europe in I, around the eighteen hundreds. I get I believe that or maybe later the nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds that posited this notion that the Jews were in control and that there were wealthy banking families, it, it, it morphs. Henry Ford, I grew up, I'm a Detroiter, I grew up, Henry Ford republished it in his newspaper wow. in, in, in the, I think with was the Dearborn Independent, I think was the name of his newspaper. He re, 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 reprints it. So this notion that Jews were, we were all powerful, has been around for a very long time. It keeps on popping its ugly head up. In 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 places, and people use it as a as a way to say, "See, look, you can't trust Jews. They're they're a secret group." Now, what's bizarre about is we are incredibly small percentage of the population. We're, you know, there's maybe 14 million Jews in the world. In the world, I mean, Cincinnati. We're in Cincinnati right now doing this. The Cincinnati Jewish community couldn't fill up Paul Brown Stadium. It couldn't fill up the football stadium. There's not enough Would Jews you, in the. Yeah. We, we'd all get at least two seats, probably two and a quarter to fill up that stadium. And yet there's this notion that we're powerful, and it keeps on coming back. and it's totally inaccurate. It's inaccurate. There are poor there are poor Jews. People don't realize that. There's a notion that all Jews are rich. It's absolutely not true. We have a uh, a community. Where we have some of the poorest people in America, a lot of elderly Jews. Poor Jews who haven't been able to do it, uh, who 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 are really suffering. The other thing too, that is 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 when when people say this, particularly now, we're still living in the shadow of the Holocaust. Yeah. Six million Jews were murdered. I mean, and it's it's I, I've I've had the opportunity to to go to Auschwitz and to Dachau and and walk and and I've studied it, but when you walk there and you see the evidence, and you see literally piles of shoes, and you see hair and glasses, and you begin to think about the numbers. It's it's overwhelming, and we have members of our congregation whose parents were survivors. Who so wow. I mean I so
1: and, so this is a real thing. I mean this is like something not of course is real, but like this is something that's still real touches you, right. touches people that are still that have that went through the experience that can still tell you about it, that it's close enough. So it's not like this is 300 years ago where
0: you're just in a distant memory to someone. So like, this is, this is real. Right. And and what's happening now is that generation of survivors is dying out because, you know, you think about it, the survivors, unless they were, they, you know, there was like world war two vets, that whole generation right. is dying out. There are some, there are survivors still alive. Some younger survivors who are still alive, who can tell the story. And then their children have, taken responsibility for it, and they've been affected by it. I mean, I have friends whose parents were a survivor. I have one friend who will never n- go out without a passport. And he says, because you never know when you need to leave. That's what my parents told me. I've heard some of my Jewish friends say that, like, they never feel
1: completely at home anywhere. Like, at some point, some some nation, people may decide that, you know, well, you're not welcome here. We need to get rid of you, which is why we talk about why it's so important when you see these statements being made to immediately react, immediately reject it and have a strong reaction to it. Cause this, like if you talk about this thing was this document, you talk about the Rothschilds and all this other nonsense, the, the new world order yeah, and the, the protocols people. of Zion is the sort of the tactic. Okay. Okay. The, the protocols of Zion, that stuff has been going on since the 1800s. And it's, and despite being, uh, being rejected, despite Everyone telling you over and over again this is not true, despite evidence showing this. Right. It still resurfaces over and over and over again, and such is the battle of hate. And I, I just tell you know, because I'll say this as I and I'm going to get to what Nick Cannon did later, but I want to have this response to what I want to at least play this for you. Let me uh, let me share this for the audience. I want to play uh, what Julie Julian Edelman, who is the um, he's the teammate of. Deshaun Jackson, what he said, and
2: we'll talk about it on the other side. I've been getting hit up by everyone asking me about this Deshaun Jackson post. And I wanted to take some time before I responded because it's a complicated issue and I wanted to be thoughtful. I wrote down some of my thinking. I've seen Deshaun play in his career, make outstanding football plays. We've communicated over social media. I've got nothing but respect for his game. I know he said some ugly things, but I do see an opportunity to have a conversation. I'm proud of my Jewish heritage. And for me, it's not just about religion. It's about community and culture as well. I'm unusual because I didn't identify as Jewish until later in my life. Whenever I encountered hatred, it never really felt like it was aimed at me. It was only after I was part of this community that I learned how destructive hate is. Anti-Semitism is one of the oldest forms of hatred. It's rooted in ignorance and fear. I remember experiencing a little bit of this hate in 2011 when I was called a kike on the football field. There's no room for anti-Semitism in in this world. Even though we're talking about anti-Semitism, I don't want to distract from how important the Black Lives Matter movement is and how we need to stay behind it. I think the black and Jewish communities have a lot of similarities. One unfortunate similarity is that they are both attacked by the ignorant and the hateful. It's really hard to see the challenges a community can face when you're not part of it. So what we need to do is, we need to listen, we need to learn, we need to act. We need to have those uncomfortable conversations if we're going to have real change. So to that end, Deshaun, let's do a deal. How about we go to D.C. and I take you to the Holocaust Museum. And then you take me to the Museum of African-American History and Culture. Afterwards, we grab some burgers and we have those uncomfortable conversations. This world needs a little more love, compassion, and empathy. Take care. So, yeah, that was uh, – I played the whole
1: thing because I thought it was thoughtful yeah. and uh, I thought it would give some some context. And so that's a person he plays with all the time. And um, he did take him up on his offer. Uh, his, t- his teammate, um, uh, African-American, uh, I don't think did any did himself any favors either. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins, who was really great on Black Lives Matters issues, but then he said, you know, Jewish people aren't our problem. This is what he said, we aren't their problem. Let's not lo- lose focus on what the problem truly is. And that's that black lives still don't matter in this country. Um, I, I think that's a false choice that we choose uh, between saying that, well, we, we need to say, reject fo- uh, bla- those who don't understand that black lives matter. We also have to reject anti-Semitism because the, the two, are connected they're they're they're, they're cousins uh, you know fighting for the same family strain of hate
0: right i agree with you. i think i think racism sexism homophobia anti-semitism are all facets of the same germ they're all pieces of hate and all of us who have been marginalized rather than competing about competing over our marginalization need to recognize that together we're all getting the short end of the stick the problem is, oftentimes, I mean, the Jewish community has certainly has has not always been. They're great on on Black Lives Matter issue or, or the African American community. Though there have been times that the Jewish community and the Black community have marched together. I mean, it, it's it's this sort of it's it's a complicated relationship. But the mistake I think is when we attack each other, we weaken each other. And hatred wins out. When they were marching in in Charlottesville, and it was you know about you know the, 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 about the Confederate statues, and it was about you know the Confederate statues, they're yelling about say Jews will not replace us. I mean, the their anger, their 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 racism is also fueled by anti semitism. And for the racists, these things are intertwined. Unfortunately. I think what happens is there are members of the Jewish community and members of the black community who are prejudiced against one another. And Absolutely. they There's shouldn't no be the ones who are driving the conversations.
1: No, that, that's, 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 that's very well said. They shouldn't be the ones driving the conversation. And we clearly, this is uh awakened me to say, we clearly haven't done enough and we got to say more. And there is a strain of anti-Semitism that runs within the black community, um, whether we realize it or not. And we have to reject hate if we, Want to move forward and actually have people respect Black Lives Matter because, like you said, it's the same people, it's the same principle, and we can't we can't say we want people to understand that Black Lives Matter and at the same time perpetuate uh, hate or perpetuate these false theories that have been put forward. So, um, I do think it's a false choice, and and I don't think anybody should accept it as that. So, but let you know, let me talk about the the kind of, kind of like latest. Um, I guess black celebrity to step in it. this is literally like yesterday. Yeah. Right. And this is before I taught, this is like after I talked to you about doing this. So maybe this is God's exquisite timing for us to get together and talk about this stuff. I don't know, but okay. So Nick Cannon, um, I'm sure you know who Nick Cannon is, but for the audience, he's been on Nickelodeon for like 15 years. Um, and he's done a uh, show called wild and out kind of a fun, goofy show. Um, and he some comments that he said resurfaced and essentially uh, reading some off some of this, he he reiterated that Rothschild nonsense you just said. And um and and then you know said a whole bunch of other stuff about white people being savages and then saying he's not being racist because blacks are Jews, just all types of just nonsense that were just all poured together. Um you know and 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 uh and, and then I want to get your response for this but I'll tell you uh bob I've been literally just before this podcast uh black twitter black you know social media which is is what it is you know social media is where people just react sometimes without actually having the facts and they see Nick Cannon who just came out with a really powerful piece about black lives matter him being very pro black and they try to take that as if okay they uh they're 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 outing him and they're 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 taking the opportunity away from him because he lost his job and everything which he should have. But people are, I guess, uh, reacting because they see him as the epitome because of, of of what African Americans should aspire to: being an entrepreneur, having his own thing. And then they see him. This is how people view it. I don't I don't agree with it, but they say like, oh, he starts being more pro black, and now they kick him off. Not getting the full context of what he actually said because right. most people, I said, did you see what he said? Like before, you're out here, you're out here defending him. I mean, you make sure you understand what he said, and that's the that's the danger of social media. It gives you part of it, and after I corrected some people, they're like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't defend that." Some people still, and then some people still set up a false narrative. Well, you know, Trump gets to say this and say that. I'm like, since when are we comparing ourselves to if that's the standard? That we that low. the bar is pretty low at that point. <laughs> yeah. So my question is like. What is your reaction to that? I mean, I, I guess it's similar to that. And how do you think how do we go forward from here to have a constructive conversation uh, that can get people to take off the blinders and, and see that this
0: is that this makes no sense? Well, I think I think Edelman was right. I think we have to have uncomfortable conversations. I think, you know, when you were ta- when when you came and you were talking to to the Jewish community mostly about being black and growing up and your dad telling you, be careful, how to get home. Don't, you know, come home alive. You telling your son that about driving. I think for the, for, for the Jewish community, they hear that and they're beginning to get an insight into what it what might be to be black and growing up in America. I think the black community needs to understand too. I, when I look at myself, I don't see, I don't think of myself as white. I, I know I present as white. I think of myself as Jewish. Right. And so when I walk into, you know, my son was, was, you know, he he told me later, my son's a big guy. He was walking when he was in college and some guy went, hey, Jew. I mean, and, you know, and my son just said, okay, I mean, he didn't get into a fight, but it was really clear that this guy, I mean, and, you know, he was identified that way. And I think we need to have some of these uncomfortable conversations talking about it, talking about that legacy of what does it mean, uh, the Holocaust, and how has that felt being passed down from generation to generation? What does it mean to have, you know, prejudice? When when my brother, I have an older brother, and he's an attorney, he said when he was got, got out of law school, he knew there were firms in Detroit that would not hire him because he was Jewish. It just, right. it was, it was, uh, it was, there, there, there are businesses in Cincinnati that didn't use to hire Jews. There are, there are country clubs and, and, you know, neighborhoods that they had, uh, what do you call it? Codicils or, or in their, in their, not codicils, in the, in the, uh, in their, in their deeds that said that you couldn't sell to an African American or a Jew. So I think we need to have the uncomfortable conversation, not to say who got it worse. Because I think that that's the mistake. I think, and I've been yeah. in places. Well, we, we we argue is it was slavery worse than the Holocaust? And you know, what's the legacy? I think that's the wrong conversation. I think yeah, the, the oppression top- Olympics is not a good approach. Yeah, I mean, does it? No. We, we got we, we all got hurt. We all got beat up. We all got smashed in the face. Rather than trying to figure out who got smashed harder, let's say how do we work to end it? Let's talk about some of the nuances of it. The other thing too is for for the for folks who don't know the Jewish community, and I spend a lot of time out speaking of churches, Jews aren't a race. So I have a cousin who's Chinese. I met my cousin. It was a bizarre—it's and it's three generations ago. Her mom was part of the Russian-Jewish fi- part of our family, moved to China, Japan or China, I can't remember, married— This guy, Ethiopian Jews, right? They're Ethiopian. I met my cousin in Tel Aviv for the first time, and she walked in. It was like, and the joke was funny. You don't look Jewish. I mean, because it's like, and and when you walk around Israel, I think a lot of people are always shocked when they go to Israel and they see Jews of all these different racial backgrounds who are part of this community. So. in, in America, a lot of the time when people are, are talking about the Jews in control, this Protocols of Zion, which I did look up and we had a quick break in 1903 was when it was published, is they don't, they're thinking about Eastern European Jews, Jews who come out of Eastern European and uh, uh, that part of the world or German Jews. They forget there were Jews living in Yemen, Jews living in, in the Middle Eastern countries, Jews living in Africa, Jews living in, in, in Asia. Um, and so their their image of what we are is 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 erroneous, and the other challenge becomes. So the Jewish community w- was an immigrant community. We were, you know, my grand my my grandfather. I mean, all, all but one of my grandparents was was European. Their first language was either Polish or Russian. Um, right. They they came here. You know, it was sort of that immigrant story. Um, my father was the first person in our family to go to college. My grandfather, I. I don't think he had a high school education. He was a started out as a peddler and became an insurance salesman and sort of went through the the thing. The Jewish community really had that experience relatively recently, but but we were fortunate, probably in part because we enjoyed some version of white privilege. Right? There was enough that we we there was enough that we could pass. Though my family name on both sides, my mom's maiden name and my Name bar were not the names my parents were born with. They oh, both changed my to sound less Jewish. To sound less Jewish. My uncle couldn't get into. My uncle wanted to go to law school on my mom's side. They and the the joke is he they my my grandfather, the one grandfather who died before I was born, who I'd ever met, said had a friend who was an Irish cop. He said, "Can I borrow your name?" Yeah. So my mom's maiden name was an Irish last name. Wow. My dad was born. Barsky. I didn't even know that until my dad died. And we were going through his papers. My dad was in World War II as a dentist. And we found a letter he had to write to the Navy explaining why his birth certificate and his dental degree were under two different names.
1: That is so fascinating because uh, Black people share a similar experience um, in a way that when you could pass, so when you were light enough, even though you were Black, what I mean, the I mean, what, what people would do is they'd have to actually separate from their families because you, you know, you can't, there's no white privilege at all when you're when you're when you're when people would clearly say you're black, right. but so when relatives would pass away, they would they would they would have to learn about it through an intermediary and then they would go down in secret of night and not even tell maybe they married a white man mm. or if it was a white woman that they married and they never even told them about their family or they just made it up about them. And so there were whole generations that were never connected to their family because they didn't want them to know they were black. I mean, so it's very it's it's, it's, a, it's a similar I mean, there's some differences there, but, there, but there's similarities in that. I'd like to talk to you about the white privilege part, though, because I think that's interesting. How do you think we approach that? Because I think that's part of the tension here. If we talk about an uncomfortable conversation. The uncomfortable conversation is that, yes, there are definitely similarities and struggles and I don't think we should get into the oppression Olympics uh, I do think we need to think about the nuances of the moment and and uh you know thinking about how uh, Jewish communities understand that though they are a minority though they have been through things they still go through white privilege and then understanding how they can help uh you know more black and brown Americans as they go through things that are very similar to what they go through like how do you think we have that conversation is it Is it going, is it going, is it, is it, is it, is it, is it it what Julie Edelman said, like possibly uh, going to a Holocaust museum for African-American, with African-Americans going and then having uh, Jewish people go to a lynching museum or, or just having, having some understanding
0: of what happened? I mean, what's your, what's your general thoughts on this? I mean, that's, I'd just love to hear. I, you know, I think, I think that that's one way to do it. I think it takes some work to get enough trust to be able okay. to sit and start i think we need to come up i, I think uh, i and i was a part of this many many years ago there was a small group of us and we developed a level of trust cuz you need to be able to be frank about um with each other both our strengths and our weaknesses agree right and and i think it, the, and i think exploring what that experience is is it we, we would be part of it to see it because the other thing you know is so it it you know, going to the Holocaust Museum and doing that, but even coming to my congregation right now, you know, we're, we're, we're COVID. We're and I'm no gonna mission. go, so
1: I'll make a commitment. I'm I'm going. So let's get let's get a time. I
0: I love to go. You know, I'm well, but when we're opened, like for services or religious school, we have armed yeah. we have armed guards. Wow. So so you know it, it, so this is a bizarre thing. So. I've I have had an arm on the high holidays, which is the Jewish New Year's. We've had an armed guard for fifteen years. I Me mean, and, and I'm talking. I'm talking. And it's it, these are sheriffs. We were we were all the people we we're using our sheriffs, and you know and. So my cousins belong to the congregation of Pittsburgh, uh, Tree of Life, where 11 people were murdered. Yes. Right? So we, the Jewish community, what's weird is, and this is a, a really strange conversation. So when I walk on the street, I present white. And most people don't think of me unless they know who I am. But in my building, and our building is identified as Jewish, we live. So our kids walk in. Right, our religious our kids coming to religious school on Sunday mornings. They're walking by the police officers, saying hi to them, and we explain to them, and we do active some version of an actor shooter drill. We don't do it exactly the same way. We don't. We're trying to figure out how you do that. So that would be part of it too, because it's not just the Holocaust Museum and that. It's also walk into our building that we have all these security features because we're worried about somebody coming to, to attack Jews. We used to think it was going to be terrorism, right? That was. You know, inter, international terrorism, or you know, because yeah,
1: it's, it's terrorism, I still consider that terrorism. Right, right. I consider but, but we're not talking about Pittsburgh. white
0: supremacy; we're talking about a different version of it, white supremacy. Yes. It's like who are we look who who do we need to worry about? So I think it's 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 exploring that and it's exploring with the African American community having those same showing us pieces of of African American like black life or brown life that we wouldn't have experienced. Say, here is something that we experience regularly that. I think it's normal to have an armed guard at my congregation. Yeah, other people walk in. They go, "Who, who aren't Jewish?" They go, "There's a guy standing there with a gun. What's going on?" Right, and and it, you know, so and I'm sure there are things that are
1: that are that. I think there's, there's some similar. I, I do think if uh, I think more African American churches would do that now, given the climate, uh, I do think I do think so. Um, but if you're saying that's the norm of most. Most uh, most con- in, most in Jewish Cincinnati, congregations, In, Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, All of
0: everybody does. Well wow. uh, Other congregations, it's not the norm.
1: It's not the norm of uh, African American. Uh, and around wow.
0: around the country, around the country, it depends on the uh, it depends on the city. Lots of places. Um, so you feel like you get a lot
1: of hate here. I mean, in terms of
0: like, do you get hate mail? Do you get? Do you get any of that? Um, every you know every. We've been, I have to say, Beth and on my congregation, we've been fortunate. We've we've not yeah, we get weird mail every once in a while. Sure. You know, we'll get to sort of the, and, and I've learned and it's funny. Funny, it's sad, I suppose. When I have a new administrator and they get these letters for the first time, they come into my office like really upset. Like they, Bob, we got this, we got this like bizarre letter, and you know, they, you know, we did all the, you know, Jews should die. And I say, let me look at it. And I, go, uh, and I, I you know, I, I'll send them off to the FBI or something. But I'm so used to them over 40 years of being a rabbi. It's like, yeah. But I, we've been fortunate. We're a little bit more yeah. cautious. Um, but we've been fortunate. But, you know, we had, so we had, you know, we had uh, uh, Pittsburgh, the shooting in Pittsburgh, Poway in California, there was a shooting. There was a shooting at a JCC. There was a shooting in San Francisco. There was a shooting at the Holocaust Museum in 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 D.C. So I it doesn't take a lot, I don't think, to make us nervous, to make anyone nervous. If you think yeah. your community's under attack, uh, it's it's a challenge. And I think exploring that together because I think that it also energizes the conversation in a particular yes. way. But I think the Jewish community doesn't get what the black community is going through.
1: Yeah. I mean, we feel the same way, threatened when 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 folks saw George Floyd being murdered. Um, that was no surprise to any African American you talk to. The fact that an officer can do that feels so emboldened. Right. And yes, every, every 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 day, a black man and w- woman steps out. We we are
0: nervous about our life uh, so in a very similar way. Right. And it, so, and, and, and I think talking about what that. I mean, I think talking to. The Jewish community about how you teach your kids how to drive, particularly your sons, probably more so than your daughters, even yes. more so. And what that must be like. How, how, I've had, I, did a, I did a podcast afterwards. One of, my podca- one of my short podcasts was talking about you talking about your son, how you talk to him about driving. I have to imagine as a parent how petrified you must be when your kid, a, a black parent, is when their kid goes out. I, you know, I think parents all worry about their kids, but the intensity of it certainly is different. And I don't think, I think the Jewish community, and I think the white community needs to understand what that must feel like to be a parent of, to have to carry that kind of burden and that kind of worry around. And I think that kind of conversation that's very, that's, that's very, I, I think the first conversation's is personal to, to move to that personal space. I think I we can, we can do some of this historic stuff. But I think the story stuff always oftentimes leads to, you know, sort of the, sort of the, leads to an
1: argument of between the, yeah, the, between the who had it worse. Who had it worse, right. Yeah. We both had it bad and we got to figure out how to, I think more importantly, how to solve it so it doesn't reoccur because the, the truth is history. I I think James Baldwin says some version of this is is always present. It's with us. It's not like it's, we got, we got, we got to history, but this is how we got, this is how we arrived. It's present. Right. And And, and, and and these feelings are still here that people have. Anti-Semitism still here. People still deny the Holocaust, despite all, despite clear evidence, right? There's lots of people that, that have this, that have this, that have this belief. and, And now there's a medium, Bob, I want to talk to you about how you think you tackle this. There's a medium with social media that just pours gasoline on these conspiracy theories. And I think, uh, I think the hope was that the that that the that social media would connect us, and it, it has done that. But it's also emboldened this new this new level of people that want to live in their own world that doesn't exist, but they believe this reality. How do we tackle? What's your what what is your plan to tackle that? Because that's my. I've asked this question to a lot of people, but it's certainly fueling uh, anti semitism, racism,
0: sexism, whatever ism you want to point. Right. I think it's I think it's one of the great challenges right now. So I think one one thing that we've done at the congregation and I've met is having a survivor speak. I mean if and there uh what's his name? Um uh, uh Spielberg. He uh he when after he did the movie Schindler's List, he did he he recorded thousands of hours of Holocaust survivors' testimonies, so that people would exist. I think having, if, if if there's ever a chance before the survivors die to hear one, I think is incredibly important. One of my mom's friends actually did was a was was a survivor and spoke and said, and she was at a This was in Detroit. Was at a big at a high school, and they you know they packed the auditorium because they recognized the importance. And some kid raised their hand and said, "Why should I believe you?" Why should I believe what you're telling me is the truth? This woman had lived, survived the concentration camp. Wow! And she and she said, uh, she said, you don't have to believe me. Just look at what the Germans documented. All this, they they kept it. I mean, we have to get this information out there. But I think dealing with social media right now is incredibly complicated because who is it? Uh, you know, lies travel around the world before fiction or before truth ever gets out of the starting yeah. block. And I think you know the social media It'll travel five thousand.
1: It takes for a thousand times it travels. You have to take five thousand times the truth, something right. like that. Yes. and I and
0: I think you know trying to educate, you know, do quality education in about what happened, uh, how it happened. You uh, I mean it, how how the world stood by? How you know. We have so we had a young we had a, a a Holocaust survivor speak at the congregation. He was a young young man when he was in he was in uh, um, um Yeah, no, he wasn't in Dachau. He was in um, Theresienstadt. I'm sorry, he was in Theresienstadt, which was outside of of Prague. And he was taken there. He was Danish, and he was he, the Dane. The Danes dealt very well with the Jewish population. They they rescued them. But he talked about upstanders. He said the world needs upstanders, not bystanders. So you said you talked about George Floyd, right? There were upstanders, not bystanders. I like that. Right? Upstanders. Yeah. And and you know, where were those other cops? What were they doing there? What was everybody doing just looking on? We need people who are willing to stand up and risk their lives, literally, to save the lives of people who deserve to be saved. Uh, and yes, it it it's 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 going to take a lot of work on a lot of people's part because it, it really is,
1: and it's painful you know, to that point. Finish finish your point that I want to come in. Go
0: ahead, because uh, I think I think this this dividing us. I, what I think is and. and it's giving the wrong people power. You know, we're living in a very divided society. If you and I were fighting all the time and we couldn't get along, we're, we're going to just beat each other. And somebody else is getting the people who who like that, who stir that. And there have been people in both communities, both the black and the Jewish community, but the overarching is the white this 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 group of people who want to keep marginalized people marginalized. They want the mi- minority cultures. You know, and we're as a minority. Yep. They they want to keep their power. We're watching this. Turn on the radio. L- listen to AM radio. It's white guys yeah, fighting oh, oh about God. right. It's about white guys trying to keep their power. Yeah, I mean they 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 are they they're, 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 everything's infused with a bit of this anger, and they it, it, and it gins and it up and
1: it's always blaming off blaming someone else for the problem. And so if it's you know blaming black people for crime, which is made up, or blaming Jewish people for controlling all the money. It's the same thing. Right. right? And and and, and I want to go back to the point you made earlier that I think is so important. Uh, The fact that Germany has documented this, uh, what happened at the Holocaust, and they highlight it over and over again. I do think that's the flaw of the United States uh, and how they deal with slavery, how they deal with Jim Crow um, and how they deal with anti-Semitism, too, by the way, because there's not a real. Unless you are a deep diver in history, your your impression of what the United States did during. Uh, World War Two is that they stood up for Jews. They did not. They did the opposite, right? right? I mean, they, 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 they not basically. They they let Jews get slaughtered, and there was there was enough evidence. There were there were there were people uh, who tried. There were there were uh, you know ships that tried to come in, and they were turned back, right. uh, and they were turned away to their death, and making sure we document what we've actually done and learn from it, including racism and anti-Semitism in a way that's pronounced. I do think would would help us more, but I think America runs away from
0: uncomfortable conversations. Absolutely, I agree. And and what's interesting in in Germany, particularly in Berlin, there are lots of st- not the st- statues, but art of things, public displays that remember what's going on. So whether it's to the, to the six million Jews or so that if you there's a particular place you can stand, you're within like a quarter mile of a of a, a memorial to six million Jews. And there's a memorial to gays and lesbians who were killed in the Holocaust. There's a memorial to the uh, politicians who Hitler killed. There is. It uh, scattered around the city in in, in, literally in the in the walk. So there's cobblestones in front of houses, the names of Jews who were taken out of those houses and where they were killed if they know when they died in America. Why don't we talk, you know, have monuments and memories to slaves? You know we're we, you know, we're, we so have
1: monuments you, and we have monuments to slave owners. owners. We have monuments not, to slave I, owners. Why and not are, only that, I mean, Confederates—the people that portrayed that—that would be—it would be like the equivalent of having Nazis hang in Germany, right? right. right. To me, I see no difference, right? In, in, and I'm, I'm always careful. I tell people, like going back to our earlier point, gotta be real careful when you compare anything to slavery or the Holocaust,
0: right? But it's interesting. What it, it, I think is pretty similar. This, time, this, it really is. They cover. I mean, it's interesting. Right near, I was talking about when you see these memorials. Where Hitler, his bunker is right near there. They covered it up. They covered it up and turned it into a parking lot. And they have a sign up, and, s- and they they did it intentionally. I mean, they said yeah. this is not the history we want to remember, yeah. and we've we we have allowed people. We certainly a lot of these 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 Confederate monuments were done during the you know when Jim Crow laws. They were they were they were put up not during during the Civil the Civil War. They so, were put they were up put afterwards up in- to imitate. Correct. The, uh, Intimidate people to say, Look, you think you won, you you think the North won, and it didn't win. Slave, you know, there may not be slaves. Well, you think
1: you think you're our equals, you're not, you're below us. That's what it was for.
0: Exactly. There's no question about it. And people don't,
1: but people have this illusion they made in their mind that this is tied to their heritage, even though the Confederacy was five years. It was five years, (laughs) right? I mean, it was, but people have tied this into it because it's stories that they tell themselves. That, that are not true even the United States immigration test I'm not sure if it's still this way but it allows options for why the Civil War happened like states rights. it happened because they were fighting slavery states rights was about about states keeping the right to have slaves like I, we dance around these things and I really think it hurts us uh, to your point I mean I just do so I I, I think it's a really great point point. and as we think about that and, and close I guess where do we go from here like where what, what is it that you would want? Um, the audience to hear about the Jewish experience, and 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 how we need to move move forward to really bury this hate. Because I think we we talked about it. The fact that you have we have to keep bringing it up. I think people don't want to. I, I I understand the human inclination to not want to talk about painful things. It is natural, and folks would rather move on and say that's over. The problem is it's not over because people still have the beliefs and the beliefs can lead to habits. The habits can lead to actions. The actions can cause people to lose their lives. Uh, That's how I look at it. So where do we go from here in terms of uh, what advice would you give people? Is there any reference uh, or or some articles that maybe can be read? Is there uh, some videos people can uh, that we can that we can send them to to make sure that we at least have some
0: uh, uh, that we're more informed than we were. Uh, prior to the podcast? A couple of couple, you know, thoughts. One, and I know you have folks listening from around the co- different parts of the country, there are more, ho- there are Holocaust museums there in, in many cities. I would encourage people to go to the Holocaust Museum. If they're in Cincinnati, They, I think people should, I think we should organize, I, this may be something you and I could do. Oh, but that's a a, good day, idea. a day to the Holocaust Museum and to the Underground Railroad Museum. Let's do and that. And we yep. do it together and we bring, you know, African-Americans and, and, and Jewish folks together, and we say, we're gonna go there. And this is gonna be the first part of it, but our commitment, and I think you said it right, our commitment is we're gonna have some uncomfortable conversations. If all you wanna do is talk about platitudes, how are you know, I, I did a program with a friend of mine, a, a minister and a, and, a, and, a, and a Muslim educator. I said, look, I'm not interested in talking about all the people we all like. I wanna talk about right. our crazy ants in the attic yep. that we're embarrassed by. Our crazy, you know, those people and mistakes that I've made. I said that's yeah. the that's where growth comes. Growth comes from uh that that having that uncomfortable conversation. So I think we should do that here in Cincinnati. Organize Absolutely. that. It's gonna be a bit before the world we're gonna do that. Let let's let, I think we start locally.
1: And to that point, I finish your point, but you just made me think of one more thought. Okay. So and
0: uh but finish your point point. So, so I would do that at wherever we would. And then, you know, the, 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 the Holocaust Museum, the, the National Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. is a resource people can get information from. That's okay. a place to learn about the Holocaust, probably has materials on anti-Semitism. There is, um, you know, the American Jewish Committee is a, a national, international organization that, that has materials about anti-Semitism as well. So those material, those things are available. People can always write to me at, at and, and contact me at rabbi at bethadam, B E T H A D M dot org if they want to. We'll put
1: that all in the, we'll put that all, you send that to
0: me, I'll put it all in the okay. uh, podcast. Perfect. And I'm happy to do that because I think, I think the more conversations we can have, and, and the one commitment I make, and when I, cause when I go out and speak, I want people to ask me every Uncomfortable question, and the and because people have assumptions about Jews. Somebody said to me, "Oh, I heard whenever Jewish kid is born, the Jewish community puts fifty thousand dollars in a bank account that they get when they're eighteen, so they can start their own business." And I went, yeah. "I didn't get mine. I was, really, <laughs> I was really pissed." I was like, "But, it, but what I what I said I, I said was, 'I'm really glad you asked that question. If you were, if you've been carrying that around, and you assume that every Jew is you know who that you meet." Is is being bankrolled by somebody? I can understand why you'd be resent me, but but see, I I, I
1: really wouldn't. So Let me ask an uncomfortable question because sure. I feel like I I haven't asked any. So okay, um, one thing I, I I hear a lot is that uh, that the Jewish community tends to uh, tends to support each other, and for every one dollar, I think six dollars goes within the community. Which, by the way, I see nothing wrong with. Uh, is there something? Is it is it anti-Semitic to simply say that? that uh the jewish culture is is more i I guess organized economically is that something that is
0: anti-semitic alone by saying that or does that no i don't think so i mean i think the reality is the jewish community think again being a marginalized community when jews weren't available weren't so we couldn't belong to non-jewish we couldn't belong to country clubs so you start your own country club uh, yep. Or if you can't be
1: which, buried- I, which I have no problem like I I think African Americans can learn from that. Like it's collectively, it's still you have more power collectively when a group's when a smaller group comes together. That's what
0: Italians do too, by the way. And Irish. Right. And but but the deal was for a lot, for and, and we it's but there was a period of time that Jews couldn't be in certain philanthropic organizations. Or and so as a function of that, they were more internal. Plus they did there were there there has been a, we, that we felt like we needed to support. Now the Jewish community is is I don't that number I've never heard that before that one it's six. Yeah,
1: it's something that uh, I don't know if it's true, but it's something.
0: I don't I, the that Jewish again. community is. I mean, you think about you, know, you look about when people talk about anti-Semitism, they often name Jews like Soros, who's giving millions of hundreds of millions of dollars to non-Jewish causes. Right? right. There there are Jews who've always been. And he's, he's somehow controlling the world. like Right. Right. This this all this 80 some odd year old guy who was, you know, su- survived the Holocaust again is controlling. But the Jewish community, I think. Because of being marginalized and being an immigrant society, I mean, I don't think people get that. That when my grandparents came here they 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 needed help, and it was the Jews who were here that might have helped them. Or when the Russians came here, the Russians who get left the, uh, the former Soviet Union, it was the Jewish community that provided them support. So there is that internal involvement, but I, the Jewish community also is concerned because most Jewish organizations that I'm involved in, like the Jewish Community Relations Council of Cincinnati, understands that if, that if, in order to have equity Jew, for Jews and equality, society needs to be equal for ev- everyone. That it, yeah. an, a, a, an America that is that is broken is going to hurt Jews as well. So we have to work. Our our goal isn't just working for the Jewish community; it's working for for everyone. That's why the Jewish community was so involved in a lot of the the civil rights movement. Unfortunately, there was some divide. There were some reasons the Jewish community and the Black community divided back in after the sixties. And I think it was a mistake. I think we lost a lot. I think think it's always a mistake. Yeah. And I think
1: it's always a mistake. Absolutely. And Yeah. I'll just say that uh, it's been an honor to have you on Uh, uh, Rabbi Barr. It's been great. It's been great getting to know you, to to develop our relationship. And here on Disruption Now, we're about disrupting common narratives and constructs. And I'll say we have to disrupt hate wherever we find it. And and there are strains of anti-Semitism within the black community. And we can't be afraid to speak up, even when it's people that we admire, even when we agree with them on points, even when they've done things that are uh, in the interest of African-Americans. When we see hate, we have to address it because it, it metastasizes, it goes, it'll spread. And it always comes back on the marginalized, which is African-Americans, which is uh, people of color, which is Jewish people. And we are always stronger when we work together versus focusing our, on our divides. So I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate all that you do. And uh, we are definitely going to do that. So let's. So now that we put this challenge out there, that we're going to do this. Now we we got to. We kind of have to do it.
0: We'll make it <laughs> happen. I, I'm looking forward to it. I just want to get this yeah, COVID. So. And we'll get COVID over, and we're going to do it. It was great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's yeah, my pleasure. pleasure. Thanks for coming on.